What got you listening to WERU? What keeps you listening? How you answer these two questions says a lot about how you feel and what you value about WERU and why you make it part of your day. So if you enjoy and value WERU, you can do something to keep it going strong for you and the community. Become a member by calling 469-6600 during weekday business hours or give online at weru.org. Your membership really helps. Thank you. Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits to strengthen Maine's economy by focusing on education, leadership, and quality of place. On the web at maincf.org. The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at weru.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to share what makes sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, and to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and, like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, buoyed by his clear election victory in November, Governor Paul LePage began 2015 by proposing an ambitious plan to overhaul Maine's tax system, including a long-term goal of eliminating the state's income tax. But while those changes are embraced by some, others are saying that resulting shift in taxes will disadvantage Maine towns and cities, as well as nonprofit organizations that provide a range of community benefits as the role of government shrinks. So today we've got some folks in the studio who can help us understand the impact of the governor's proposal on tax reform. Um, Michelle Beal, welcome back to Talk of the Towns. Michelle is uh, city manager of the city of Ellsworth and also president of the Maine Municipal Association. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. And uh, one of the nonprofits in Ellsworth is uh, the Woodlawn Museum, the Black House um, in Museum, and Josh Torrance, Joshua Torrance is the executive director. Welcome to you. Welcome back. Thank you. Glad to have both of you with us. Well, perhaps we'll start a little bit with um, just a, a description of each of your um, your institutions, if you will. Um, and Michelle, you're wearing two hats, so we'll get you to talk a little bit about uh, um, Maine Municipal Association in a moment. But uh, tell us a little bit about the city of Ellsworth. Many people. Um, and I think that's a, that's a common complaint. But I mean, many people have driven through Ellsworth. Maybe they haven't stopped and stayed. <laughs> well, they should. Yes. But uh, Ellsworth is um, it's a municipality of a little less than 8,000 year-round residents. But we service about 60,000 uh, because we are a um, 
a municipal service center. Uh, we service uh, Hancock County and uh, Western Washington County as far as professional services and um, retail. So doctors, lawyers, um, those kinds of services, banks? Medical, yep. banks, yep. yeah, um, you know, anything like that. And then, of course, the retail services also. Right. And um, county government. And county government, right. state government, federal right. government, yep. yes. Yeah. And um, the, the most, most municipalities in Maine aren't cities. Most of them are towns. Ellsworth is a city. Is there any difference? You have a, a city council and a, and a, um, a town manager. Right. Um, but that's, not, I mean, it's, it's only a city because we were incorporated as a ah, city. Okay. Um, but our form of government is, is a council manager form of government, which means we don't have um, an annual town meeting. Um, it's a representative government. Okay. Yep. And how about the Maine Municipal Association? Um, you've served as president for some months. I have. I have. I've been actually on their board for a little over five years. Um, Maine Municipal Association is uh, an organization that is there to help municipalities, um, you know, through everything from insurance and legal aid. Um, but its most important role is its advocacy role, mm -hmm. and it deals with um, legislative issues that affect municipalities. That is actually uh, ruled by a legislative policy committee, which is 70 municipal government, either managers or councilors, select men. Um, there's two from each uh, Senate district. And they make the decisions on whether the Maine Municipal Association will advocate for or against or mm -hmm. have no position mm -hmm. on these legislative bills that go through. So it's not Maine Municipal Association that makes those decisions. It's the municipalities, right. the so 497. It's not the staff. It's not the staff. It's the representatives. Yeah. And you under, I understand you just got back from Washington, so there's a, an MMA presence or thinking about legislation in, in Washington, D.C. as well. Absolutely, because, you know, it's not just state government that affects municipalities. It's uh, the federal government also and its policies. And uh, every year we go to Washington, D.C., and we meet with our representatives mm -hmm. and just have discussions with them on things, um, you know, such as transportation, uh, bond funding, uh, you know, uh, environmental issues that affect us. Mm -hmm. so it's mm -hmm. great. I'll come back to you in a moment. Sure. Uh, Joshua Torrance uh, from the Woodlawn Museum. Tell us a little bit about your um, institution. Uh, you've been there um, how many years? Fifteen years. Wow. Or will be fifteen years. Yeah. Yeah. So Woodlawn is owned by the Hancock County Trustees of Public Reservations, who formed in 1901 with the mission of preserving land of scenic value, historical significance, scientific study, or sanitary value. You've got this down. They were um, very successful at, at saving a great deal of land, primarily in Mount Desert, mm -hmm. and then later in other parts of Hancock County. In 1916, they donated that land to the federal government, and eventually that land became Acadia National Park. And so... In 1928, the last member of the Black family, Nixon Black, left his 180-acre estate and house to the Hancock County Trustees of Public Reservations. Uh, and they have owned it and maintained it for public use ever since. And they also own one additional piece of property down by Seawall near the Seawall Campground. So in addition to Woodlawn, we own this other piece of property, which in time will be transferred to Acadia National Park. Mm -hmm. uh, Woodlawn specifically uh, is, again, 180-acre estate. It encompasses a historic house museum. We have two miles of hiking and walking trails. We have 120 acres of open fields, uh, and we have a croquet court and a community garden. So uh, we're sort of the, the park, the public park mm -hmm. for Ellsworth and for the surrounds. And you have a famous bet. And we have a very famous, <laughs> yes, we have the we have the most significant bed in uh, American decorative arts, 
uh, a bed that John and Mary Black purchased and brought from Boston in, in 1827 and uh, is the only bed in America that survives with its original textile still in place. And we recently restored that and celebrated the fact that it's right here in Hancock County, Maine. And they presumably slept in that bed. Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, there are bed bug stains, so we know that someone at some point in. someone slept in them. But this was a uh, beds of that ilk were sometimes used for uh, displaying the wealth of the family as much huh. as for sleeping. Huh. Huh. Well, let's turn to our topic. Um, the the governor has has made a significant proposal to reform taxes. Some of his his um, ideas have been around and, and been talked about for um, as many as twenty years. And one of those is the the uh, change in in who gets um, to pay sales taxes. And we've had a, f- a fairly core group um, that uh, paid sales taxes um, for um, lodging and, and those kinds of things. Um, when we buy um, many things, we pay a sales tax. But not everybody has been included in that. And so there are things like ski lift tickets and lawyers' fees and hairdressers who perhaps don't, you know, have to, to pay sales tax. So that's part of his proposal. Let me just look at I've, – I've been done, doing quite a bit of homework in terms of trying to understand the governor's proposal. And I don't seem to find that form here, but there it is. Um, so the governor has proposed to reduce and eventually eliminate the income tax um, that was, has been around a long time in Maine. Um, and el- eliminate the estate tax. The, both of those represent a significant portion of revenue to the state. To make up for those cuts in revenue, the governor is, is talking about increasing the revenues overall from sales tax, not by increasing the sales tax, but by increasing the category of groups that pay into that, um, and then eliminating um, some things like revenue sharing to municipalities. And, um, Michelle, perhaps you can explain that, that system. How has that worked in the past? What benefit does a place like Ellsworth derive from sharing some of the state's taxes um, um, as revenues to the city? Sure. So municipal revenue sharing is actually it was an agreement from back in 1970 with the legislature, and 5% of the um, revenue that's generated from sales tax and income tax is then um, – it's gathered and then it's distributed to the 497 municipalities with a formula. It's kind, uh-huh. of, it's kind of a complex formula. but And what that does is two things. One, it, um, it offsets the property tax. And for the city of Ellsworth right now, it's about a half a million dollars that we receive. Uh, but the other thing that it does is it's, it's kind of repayment for the work that the municipalities do um, and especially service centers that uh, that we take care of, you know, state properties, you know, the, the roads and um, and the other things that we do to generate income, because the economic development for the state of Maine really comes from the municipalities and the mm-hmm. things that we do, investing in our infrastructure, creating a quality of life that encourages business that comes. So, so there are state buildings in Ellsworth, they don't pay municipal taxes, but you still you know, plow their streets or the plow the roads. Well, yeah, and any municipality does. For example, in Ellsworth, we're an urban compact, which is just means that we now, in the inside the urban area of Ellsworth, we maintain all of the infrastructure, the state infrastructure. So, which is for Ellsworth, Route One A, Route Three, and okay. Route One. That means that's not just maintenance of the roads. That's striping the roads. That's taking care of traffic lights. That's you know that's full out maintenance. If anything you know, potholes, everything that the state doesn't do, we do that for them. Right. And then there's other services that, um, you know, that are provided through the state of Maine that 
um, by requirement of the state of Maine that, that we must provide those services for the state. So revenue sharing is kind of a, an offset uh, saying, okay, we recognize you're providing those services to the state. Mm -hmm. We're going to give you some money back out of, out of the combined sales tax and income tax. Exactly. Right. What else does the city budget, you know, just some broad categories, what does, what, what, uh, does the city do for its residents? What are some of the, the aspects of the budget? Oh, gosh. Um, it, you know, public safety, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a fire department and a police department, public works, which is a bit strained this year. Uh, you know, because of the storms, because and, of the storms right? and, um, you know, a, a storm isn't just the, um, the overtime for the employees, it's replacing steel on plows, it's sand, it's salt, it's, you know, it's, and it's the maintenance of the roads because the roads are in a bad condition right, right. now. So filling in the potholes and things right. like that. Of course, there's a recreation component to it. Um, there's general assistance, which is um, helping those in need, in dire need in the city. Um, you know, there's also the the services that are required by the state, such as assessing the city clerk's office, you know, those types of code enforcement, those types of services. Too. And how does education, there's a school system, but there's a right. there's a municipal role in, in, in assessing taxes well, there, there that is, yeah. pay for those. There is. The, um, the tax bill that people receive, so there's the municipal budget and then there's the school department budget. And there's actually a county budget that we have to pay our portion of also. So um, the municipal budget are the things that I just talked with you about. And then the school budget in Ellsworth is almost, it's, it's actually a little bit more than the municipal budget for just mm -hmm. the school department. Before, as a, when it was part of the RSU, we paid a portion of the RSU's budget. Um, and now we have, the school department is back with the city. And so you know, mm -hmm. that budget is now completely ours. Mm -hmm. It's part of the tax bill. And um, you don't have to know the, the details of this, but the, the state, um, the legislature, um, many years ago said, oh, we're going to try to fund a per certain percentage of local education through this, <laughs> but haven't been able to do that. So no. that's um, another way in which the municipality is picking up something that the state had promised to do in terms exactly. of paying for it for education. And there's, there's the, um, what we've dealt with, you know, through the recession um, and over the last few years is a, a decrease in school funding. And actually, when we were part of the RSU, um, because of the formula for the RSU, in four years, we had a $2 million increase in the amount of money we had to pay towards the RSU. Mm -hmm. Now, the city's budget is only $9 million on the municipal side, and we had to come up with an additional $2 million for the school department. Um, and that, you know, not to say that the RSU was good or bad. That was the formula. Um, so we've had to deal with that. We've had, there are funds from the gas tax that are supposed to come to municipalities to help offset the costs of, of the roads, and there's been a, a, quite a reduction in that also, as well as the revenue sharing. So we've had three really big hits to our budget that we've had to try to make up for. Mm. So again, for our listeners who, who might not know how, how property taxes work, I mean, they pay their property taxes, but um, in, how do property taxes work in the city of Ellsworth? Um, and, and I guess we're talking about um, assessing the value of someone's property and then assigning a, um, a percentage of that as a, as a municipal tax. Correct. So you, you have the, the, the budget and then you have the full assessed value. And in Ellsworth, it's about $1.1 billion worth of value. Mm. And then that's divided. The budget is divided um, by what we call a mill rate or a percentage mm -hmm. to all of the um, individuals, the, the taxpayers. Uh, according to the value of the property. Mm -hmm. And what's the mill rate, the the rate per $1,000 of value approximately now? Yeah, it's uh, 16.45, and I can tell you that <laughs> in 
I like to, I love telling this. In all of the service centers in the state of Maine and real service centers that are, that are an urban compact, we have the lowest mill rate in the state uh -huh. of Maine for service centers. So. And is, is, is that a combination of, you know, um, being very wise with what you spend money on as well as having value uh, uh, spread out? You've got, the, you've probably got the largest city in, in, in terms of geographic area, we I think. We do, in 94 yeah. square miles. So we're actually right. the size of about three normal sized uh, municipalities. So, uh -huh. yeah, you know, I can honestly say that I think that, um, you know, that, that we have a council that, that's conservative. They pay taxes, too. And, and I know people always think that they pay too much in taxes. Mm -hmm. But in Ellsworth, um, for the type of area that you're, or the municipality, like I said, an, you know, an urban compact service center, you know, the taxes, we've been able to hold those taxes. Despite all of the increases that we've seen as expenses that have come to us, we've been able to hold that mill rate down. Mm. Well, Josh, I think I'll turn to you um, a, a little bit. Um, another part of the governor's proposal is to say, um, let's make up for um, the reduction or the elimination of revenue sharing income to the to the municipalities by allowing municipalities to tax nonprofits. You, that must have been a, a wake up call to you and other nonprofit leaders when you read that in early January. Uh, it was a it was a rude wake up call, <laughs> if, if that. and it was a little confusing because it was, you know, trying to understand exactly what that meant and what what our ta potential tax bill might be. Um, and so, uh, the way I understand it is that you would be assessed over five hundred thousand. Um, so if your nonprofit if, had something like a five hundred thousand dollars in value, you'd be taxed on that. Correct. Right. Right. Or anything over five hundred thousand. Over five hundred thousand. So, um, interesting enough, sixty-five percent of Maine nonprofits say that they have they have real estate values or property of, of over five hundred thousand dollars. So, sixty-five percent of Maine nonprofits, in theory, could be taxed. Um, underneath the governor's proposal. Uh, specifically for museums and archives, it's, it's interesting in that many of, uh, of Maine archives and museums um, are caretakers of historic sites, mm -hmm. um, lighthouses, uh, historic houses, uh, historic sites. And so their budgets may not be very large, but they're caring for very uh, expensive uh, or valuable pieces of property. And so they are particularly vulnerable to this kind of a, a, a tax. Mm, mm. So what are some of the other nonprofit leaders that you hang out with in the city of Ellsworth, for instance? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the concern is really if, uh, in, in the case of Woodlawn, um, we would – and it's not clear to us exactly what our tax bill might potentially okay. be because of uh, – it's don't not clear how they're going to determine what right. the value is. But if we just use a number and say that our, our 180 acres plus this historic house is a $3 million value, we'll be taxed at $2.5 million, that's – Roughly forty thousand, sixteen dollars per thousand. Right. right, that's about forty thousand dollars a year. Uh -huh. um, and what's your overall budget? Our budget is four hundred thousand. So ten percent. Ten percent of our budget. Right. So that's you know we have to either cut staff, cut services, or uh, move that cost onto our consumers. In the case of Woodlawn. Um, the vast majority of our users are people that come on and use the property free of charge. And we're very pa passive recreation. Absolutely. We're very uh, proud of that. Um, the city is supportive to us in our initiatives, but we, we don't come to the city for um, financial support. Uh -huh. So we are truly offering the public park experience for the citizens of Ellsworth. Um, 
we, you know, conceivably, if we decided that we wanted to maintain the level of our services, one potential option is to how can we, how can we pass that cost on? Uh, how can we recoup that? So, would we put a would we put a gatehouse at the bottom of the of the in avenue at Woodlawn and charge people a fee just to get onto the property? Mm. Um, or you know, would we have to do more fundraising? Would that fundraising take away from other fundraising obligations that we have? Mm-hmm. So there's no easy answer. I, the the I think the question and the fear that a lot of our nonprofit leaders in Ellsworth and beyond have is that you know, eventually this cost is going to have to go somewhere. And if you if, if that cost has to go somewhere, it's most likely going to be passed on to the consumers. Some of our nonprofits serve consumers that really need these services that we offer and, and are people that not necessarily can afford these services as it is. And so uh, it's a, it's a, it's as we might say, we're on a very tricky wicket, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a tough uh, position that many of us we would would be uh, faced with. So this is not the first time that um, there's been a discussion about not taxing nonprofits. It's it, but it's never come from the governor, and 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 <laughs> that I know of anyway. What do you understand the the origin of not taxing nonprofits to be? Either one of you have a sense of is there is kind of a, the sense that oh nonprofits like hospitals are providing a public service. Gosh, we ought not to tax them. What's the what's the theory behind not taxing nonprofits, Josh? I think there's been a long-standing covenant that nonprofits provide services that government can or shouldn't be providing, and in exchange for providing those services that government can or shouldn't be providing, the the uh, return for that is not charging taxes. Mm-hmm. And it, that's been a longstanding social commitment um, and partnership between government um, and nonprofits and our citizens for, for you know, ever since income tax and property tax came about, really. But there are large nonprofits. Um, we think of in Hancock County, the hospitals, the Jackson Lab. Yeah. Certainly, um, the, if you combine all the salaries, that's a big operation, but it's not a tax you know, they're not generating profits for someone. So there's something in that formula, too, that says, oh, we value the jobs, <laughs> we value the services, but in order to promote those kinds of things, we're not going to tax property taxes. In 2009, a survey done by Maine Association, uh, excuse me, by um, Maine Archives and Museums suggested that Maine Archives and Museums return about $7.5 million in tax revenue back and you know, 1600 you know sites and museums and doesn't doesn't in- incorporate all of the museums in Maine but a pretty good sampling seven and a half million for you know a lot of small places that's a pretty good return on the investment from my perspective yeah. but Michelle um, those nonprofits in, in Ellsworth and other city are consuming some services the roads the police and fire protection um, so what other ways besides taxation have municipalities thought about and what and maybe Josh has some thoughts about this to to help reimburse the city for those services payments in lieu of taxes if that does that come out it, it does and and, uh, and actually Jackson lab um, they pay a payment in lieu of taxes and it's, and it's most likely not the full value no um, yep. but they do make a payment they make a payment to Ellsworth and I'm I don't want to speak for the town of Bar Harbor but I'm right pretty sure that they do there also. And the other thing is, is that... Because Ellsworth is the site of a, of a mouse facility. Yes. That they're in, it's in they, the work. They, they bought the old the Lowe's, Lowe's building. building. Right. Correct. And, and uh, you know, I think there's um, 
people aren't, don't realize that the hospital does pay taxes, okay. actually. Um, they pay taxes in the buildings that they lease from. They must pay the taxes okay. in that process. And then they have a professional building uh, next door to the hospital that they pay taxes on. So they're not 100% tax right. exempt. Right. You know, and the other part of that is that's our health service. Um, and they're a not-for-profit. They work on a very tight budget. Because of that, uh, you know, Ellsworth would be pretty lost without having its hospital um, within its its borders and, you know, the loss of jobs itself. The hospital is one of our largest employers. Right. So, you know, there's there's that benefit. So they, you know, they do. Um, the YMCA is another one that would be hit pretty hard. The YMCA provides the recreational services for the city of Ellsworth. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a great partnership with them. Uh, so, you know, again, uh, they're providing a service back to us in lieu of, you know, what they would have for, you know, public safety and, uh, and things. So, you know, I think that there's already, is, as Josh had said, there's a great partnership with most of these, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, nonprofits. And I, and I have to tell you, even the federal government, we have a fish hatchery. The federal government pays payment in lieu of taxes mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. So the state doesn't, but the, the federal government does. Mm-hmm. So there is a, there is a program there that, that can be used. In Ellsworth, only 60, we have 63 nonprofits that aren't religious or governmental. So only 16 of those would actually um, be, would qualify for this new initiative with the governor. Granted, they're about 90% of uh, what would be created for new taxes if, if they were, but there's only 16 of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so basically you're saying that if, if um, this proposal, these set of proposals go forward and the state stops giving you revenue sharing revenue for, for the city, you would have the opportunity if it, this this passes to to um, property to add property levy property tax on sixteen nonprofits, exactly. But you wouldn't necessarily get the revenue sharing money back. We wouldn't come anywhere close uh, with Ellsworth yeah. because we are because we're a county seat. We have a lot of governmental buildings right. that and and we have a, you know there are quite a few religious organizations in sure. Ellsworth too that wouldn't sure. be taxed. So, yeah. Well, you're listening to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We're talking about tax reform, the governor's proposal, and the, its impact on main towns and nonprofits. We're joined in the studio by Michelle Beal, who is city manager of Ellsworth and the president of the Maine Municipal Association, and Joshua Torrance, who's executive director of the Woodlawn Museum in Ellsworth. In a few minutes, we'll take your calls as well. But now we're going to Augusta and uh, Joel Johnson. Joel is joining us by phone. He's with the Maine Center for Economic Policy. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Joel. Uh, thanks for having me, Ron. Joel, um, just a, a thumbnail sketch of your organization. Um, uh, you've been around for uh, many years, and you've helped um, many people kind of analyze the impact of various um, economic policies uh, for the state and, and regions. To, a little bit more information about uh, the main main Center for Economic Policy first. Sure. Yeah, we've been around for 20 years. We're a small research and analysis uh uh, an advocacy shop here in Augusta. Um, we focus on tax and budget issues, um, uh, and, and particularly with an eye towards the impact of, uh, of tax and budget policy on uh, low and, and middle income uh, residents. And, and as you look at this uh, range of proposals from the governor, um, the many, it's, it's a very complicated uh, proposal. Um, how are you beginning to uh, assess um, its impact on uh, middle class and, and lower income uh, folks. Well, we're looking at the uh, the uh, at, at two things. First of all, the overall uh, reduction in state taxes that is in this proposal, um, and then also the change in the 
in the mix of taxes. Um, so basically what the governor's proposing uh, is, a, is an income tax cut uh, that would basically reduce uh, individual income taxes uh, revenue in the state by about 36 percent, uh, a little over a third. And then he would uh, also eliminate the estate tax, um, which is about $37 million a year. That would benefit about 160 to 170 estates um, every year in Maine. So about over 13,000 people die every year, but only uh, 160 or 170 estates are subject to actually pay any estate tax at all. Um, also, there's some corporate income tax reduction in his plan. Um, and he's going to pay for uh, most. In other of words, those. he's not going to cut. He's not going to cut expenses by that same amount. So he's got to make it up somewhere. Exactly. So he's going to make up um, most of that uh, with a sales tax increase. And um, yes, it does expand the base of sales taxes. It applies the sales tax, like you said earlier, to to more cert, to a bunch of services. Um, but it also raises the sales tax rate significantly. So. I see. Uh, under current law, the sales tax rate would, would go back down to the 5% level um, in July, and the governor's proposal would permanently set the sales tax rate at 6.5%. Um, so he's, he, he raises the sales tax by about a third, um, by about $424 million bucks, uh, but that still leaves a big gap. And so he, the, the remaining basically $267 million dollars uh, uh, he pays for some of that by eliminating revenue sharing, um, so that takes that off the state's books. But then even after that, there's still a $100 million cut in, in terms of the state's general fund. So in general, this is a tax cut, um, and it's going to force, uh, in, our, in our view, it's going to force um, some very difficult decisions about where to make to pay for the rest of that tax cut. You know, And basically there's two big areas in the state budget where you can go to education and health care. Hmm. Um, so we're concerned about that. And then in, in terms of the impact of the of the of the tax swap, so to speak, where you're 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 raising sales taxes by a third and cutting income taxes by a third, um, you know, that has a dispro the the dollar value of the benefits the, the majority of the benefits in terms of the dollar amount um, of that tax change is going to accrue to higher income people. Um, now, that doesn't mean that low-income people uh, won't get a tax cut, too, um, and they, they likely will. The governor's included some refundable credits uh, in the income tax that, are, that, that we're pleased with. But in terms of the dollar amount um, of that $267 million tax cut, you know, a disproportionate share of that is going to flow to upper-income individuals. Mm. It, it made me step back a little bit and talk sure. about um, um, the, the the good mix of, of 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 taxes that we have at our disposal, um, and it, the notion of progressivity or regressivity. Um, Maine um, many years ago decided that to add income tax to the mix so that um, it wasn't just on on people's property um, values, but property does account for um, kind of an ability to pay in some cases. What's 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 a good mix? from your your uh, standpoint of, of uh, taxes and how does that um, um, kind of affect um, low, middle, and income and higher income folks? Sure. 
Well, I mean, it, it, the tax, you can evaluate your tax system on a lot of different dimensions. Um, we tend to focus at, at, at the main Center for Economic Policy on, you know, are we raising adequate revenue to make the investments we need in education and take care of vulnerable people in the state um, and, and provide the sort of public investments that are the foundation of the economy? And we also focus on the distributional impacts, like you said, um, you know, who's paying what. So we know from 2009 that if, if you're in the bottom fifth of the income distribution in the state, um, in other words, if you make, if you basically, if your household makes less than 15 or 20 grand a year, you're paying about, in total state and local taxes, uh, sales, income, and property, you're paying about 17 cents out of every dollar that you earn. And if you were a high-income person in the top 1% of the income distribution, you, you were paying less than $0.10 cents per, for every dollar that you earn. So that's, a, that's what we call a regressive tax system. It's, it's, uh, it disproportionately raises more money uh, relative to income from low-income people than it does from high-income people. And the only way really to, to improve that is to actually uh, – to to shift more of our tax uh, basket into the income tax, because the income tax is really the only progressive tax that we have, that in the estate tax. Um, and so, so the more that we that we rely on sales taxes and the more that we rely on property taxes, um, the less ability we have to sort of improve that kind of uh, uh, distributional fairness of the tax system. So, when, and you say fairness, uh, that's um, based on the belief that people should pay according to their means um, um, in, exactly. in some fashion. Exactly, yeah. And this is an old idea that goes back a long way. I mean, even, the, you know, the father of, of, of classical economics, Adam Smith, talked about uh, this idea of, of taxes, uh, you know, that it, that it only seems right that that taxes should be based on on your ability to pay, um, and uh, so it's not a new idea, um, and it's it's not even necessarily an idea that 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 only exists that only exists on the left or uh, or in progressive circles. And and the property tax um, at one point did sort of represent that progressivity, um, because um, only wealthy people own property in the early days. Yeah, I mean, in theory, the property tax is the tax on wealth. Um, but, uh, you know, in, 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 the, in, in today's world, um, a lot of people don't own their house. They, 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 they use debt to, to own their house. And so the so bank, not, ba- bank owns the house and the, and the people are living there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, also, and then in addition to that, you know, you don't uh, – somebody that makes ten times more per year in income than somebody else, doesn't necessarily live in a house that's worth ten times as much, right? Um, especially in the states. So, so you don't necessarily see, sort of, I guess, in economic terms, consumption of, of housing, you know, increasing in step with, with income, and so you end up also there. And that's the same with sales taxes. And um, there are our communities, and we, we can um, look to our south from where we are in, in uh, Orland to, to recognize there are some very wealthy properties along the coast. And um, that is a way for municipalities um, to, to say, oh, that person has means. 
um, we'll we'll tax that at a certain um, rate, and and that'll help with our um, uh, our overall budget. Michelle, you you were just making the the notes in terms of of wealthy communities versus poorer communities and its effect on education. Say a little bit more about what you're you're intending there. Well, absolutely. Without the you know the the education subsidies that you know that are being reduced, um, what it ends up being is is that municipalities that depend 100% on their property tax to provide services those communities that are wealthy will be able to afford a better education system because they'll have more money, obviously, to put into it versus the poorer community. So you start getting a disparity in the level of level of education along with the level of services that mm-hmm. you can provide, you know, that um, – in municipalities like municipal service centers, where we have a requirement to provide more services, you're going to drive uh, people away from your municipality and into the bedroom communities because they can't afford the property taxes. Right. And it, so it's, it's, a, it's a vicious circle. And I think it really is, um, you know, I, I, I think that, that what they're creating here by, by using the property tax as a, a balancing, as I say, balancing the state budget, you, you are going to that, that disparity between the wealthy communities and the poor communities is just going to get worse. Mm. So, Joel, um, thanks for, for being with us. What, are you, what will you be watching? Um, I said, I think earlier, the, the uh, governor proposes, the legislator disposes. I assume that there have already been some hearings on some of the aspects of this um, uh, proposal. How are you monitoring this? Well, I'm going to all the hearings um, and, and keeping track of, as best I can, of, of, of movements and, and signs of, of what the legislature might do to begin making decisions about how to handle the governor's proposal. I mean, the, the biggest pushback that we've seen publicly so far has been in the realm of, uh, of, the, of the broadening of the sales tax, which you know we think is actually a good idea to broaden it to a, a wider array of services. But what ends up happening is you have, you have a, a whole host of, of, uh, of business groups um, come in and, 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 and argue their special case for why they, they should be exempt from the sales tax. And in addition, we've also seen a lot of public uh, um, pushback on this idea of taxing nonprofits um, yep. and also on the, uh, the, eliminate, the proposal to eliminate municipal revenue sharing. Um, so so far publicly, those are the most unpopular portions of of the proposal. And uh, but I think that there's a lot of other discontent in other areas that that will see surface in in the coming weeks and months. Well, thanks for being with us. If you'd just give us um, the, your website so people can learn more about the Maine Center for Economic Policy and its work. Sure, you can go to our website at uh, www.mecep.org. That's M-E-C-E-P.org, and we have a, a blog that I would. I would love to point you to and, and get regular readers at blog.mesep.org. Great. Well, thanks for being with us this morning, Joel, and good luck with your work. Thanks a lot, Rob. Take care. You're, you're tuned to Talk of the Towns. Uh, we're now going to welcome your phone calls. Um, I, I know there was a caller on the line, and, and uh, maybe they didn't get through, but they're welcome to call back at this, at this point. We'll take your, uh, your questions and your comments at one 866 Six two five nine three seven eight. That's one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight or four six nine zero five zero zero. We in the studio with us. We have um, Joshua Torrance, who is executive director of the Woodlawn Museum in Ellsworth, one of the nonprofits, and uh, uh, Michelle Beale, who is city manager in Ellsworth and president of the Maine Municipal Association. Michelle, in terms of Maine Municipal Association. Um, 
um, tell us a little bit about how that organization is kind of monitoring things. You said that there's a legislative policy committee made up of um, representatives of municipalities. How will you be kind of monitoring this through the legislative process? So there are three employees of the Maine Municipal Association that spend their lives on it on uh, at, at the Capitol building, um, and and that's that's what their job is is to advocate the position of those municipalities that made the decision. So they you know that's exactly uh, what they do is they go they attend the meetings um, they advocate uh, where they can and um, and then they report back to the municipalities we get a weekly newsletter mm -hmm. to let us know how things are going they also provide information of when committees and meetings so people can go testify and mm -hmm. so it's and a, and Joshua Torrance um, I assume that there's a, a similar organization that represents nonprofits in the state of Maine is there a kind of a legislative watching process uh, going on, on there as well yeah the uh, Maine Association for of nonprofits is um, a great resource and has great information on this effort and, and, and certainly does monitor um, the process that's unfolding. Um, and then also specifically for museums, there's main archives and museums, which um, obviously is also serving nonprofits, but looking at it more narrowly through the lens of archives and museums. Well, let's take a phone call. I believe Gray from Hancock is on the line. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi. This is it's Gray from Hancock. Thanks for uh, for the show. Uh, very interesting. Um, I would like to suggest that the governor has taken uh, taken hold of the reins of the debate by framing it in terms of tax reform. Um, I would like to hear your guest comment on alternatives such as raising revenue, i.e., let's have a decent, substantial minimum wage in this state, and maybe the tax base would start to look a little bit more healthy, and we wouldn't have to be worrying about taxing nonprofits, which add to the value of our culture and the attractiveness of it to people who might want to move here, people with money, you know, people who uh, who like to live in a place with, with a strong respect for its past and its present. At any rate... Um, Thank, I'll, I'll listen to it on the radio. Thanks for the show. Thank you, Gray. Um, so this notion um, uh, of of the, the the debate, you know, led by the governor is tax reform, um, and that's based on, as I understand it, it's based on a set of theories um, that says if you reduce taxes, you grow the economy. Now this caller is saying, well, maybe the other way to grow the economy is to you know increase wages in some way. Now. You, Individuals can increase wages if you own a business or a non nonprofit, um, and the other way is, as he's pointing out, is 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 raising the minimum wage. And that's a, t a tax policy. You're not those kinds of experts, but the 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 notion of changing the debate so that we grow the economy in other ways than raising uh, reducing taxes. Any thoughts about that? How how does you know a municipality think about its economy? Uh, Michelle, you've got um, a, a lot of things, economic things going on in Ellsworth. How do you grow that? Well, you know, and and, and I think. First of all, I, I will say that I, I do agree that we do need some type of tax reform in the state of Maine because mm -hmm. it is a regressive mm -hmm. um, taxation state. But one way, you know, that I, I think that, that the governor, by putting all of his eggs in the basket of tax reform and thinking that's going to make the state of Maine prosper, I, I just I think it's, it's a mistake, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I think really what they should be working on is, you know, bringing in better jobs, you know, 
businesses and expanding our economy to provide jobs that provide benefits and that will you know again do that you you know when you working with a municipality municipalities are pretty much on their own as far as bringing in business right. uh, you know there there are times that we can call DECD and try to to work with them to get some help but the incentives come from the municipalities and the infrastructure and everything that those businesses need and the labor market mm. So there's a lot that that we do as far as quality of life, um, you know, and services that we provide to encourage businesses to come. So you in the in uh, I was going to get to this question, and maybe this this kind of helps with that. Some of the things that you must be proud about is expanding some of the the, the businesses in Ellsworth, especially services to the elderly. You know, absolutely, and and uh, you know, there are a lot of people that think you know that that um, expanding services to the elderly probably isn't great, you know, economic development wise, but it actually is. You know, um, we're all getting older. We're all getting older, <laughs> and um, you know, encouraging them to stay and pay taxes and and spend their money. Uh, you know, that's it, that's a demographic that absolutely needs attention and I think is you know personally again I think it's it's a smart move to to pay attention to that but at the same time you know we're looking at trying to bring other businesses into the city that pay decent wages just increasing the minimum wage um, I don't think will do that I think you need to do both I think mm-hmm. you need to have you know better paying jobs and you need to have the businesses you know to come in and, and provide those so you have a labor market issue and you know there it's a it's a bigger issue than just that but you know, I think it would behoove the state of Maine to really look at working with its municipalities and, and its service centers in ways that we can work together to encourage businesses to come from out of state and move to the state of Maine and say, hey, this is a good place to work. Increasing property taxes is not the way to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already pay high utility bills and paying high um, uh, property taxes, the businesses, you know, that's just another thing that they'll have to deal with. And then municipalities have to provide TIFs and incentives to get them to come here and say, well, you don't have to pay those high taxes because we'll try to do something with you. And so, like I said, it's a vicious cycle. And, and um, you know, I just I really wish that we had a, a way of working, you know, more than just one issue. Right. one 625 9378 Perhaps you've got some questions or perhaps some observations about the question of tax reform as the governor is proposing it and its impact on municipalities and nonprofits. Uh, Josh, our recent caller, talked about the, kind of the quality of life and what keeps people Absolutely. here. And, and who are your supporters? Why do they support the, the uh, Black House and, and the Woodlawn Museum? Well, we have a mix of supporters. We have folks that um, are from away, mm-hmm. um, that some are here and, and believe in what we're doing because they value our the history that we're preserving um, for for the future and for the current uh, 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 folks. But we also have um, a, a broad membership base of our neighbors, uh, people that live right next door to us that – sends us 35 or $50 as a membership or in the form of an annual appeal. Um, people that value the fact that Woodlawn 365 days a year is open as a place for reflection and a place for recreation um, free of charge mm-hmm. that they can just come up on. So we, we're, we're fortunate we have a fairly diverse uh, base. Uh, our budget is mainly um, is broken into thirds. A third is earned income. A third is contributed income. And our third comes from our endowment. And so we are fortunate to have an endowment that that helps us. I want to make a point that, you know, nonprofits certainly, um, it's proven that nonprofits and, and certainly in many of our communities are are the economic engines 
of our of our communities. Um, they make our communities more desirable places to live. They care for our cultural assets. They help provide services that government can't provide. Um, and so, and they provide jobs. And they, more importantly, they provide jobs. Right. And usually, usually not all, but usually they're well-paying jobs with benefits. Correct. So, Correct. I mean, you know, that's the kind of growth that you're talking about, Michelle, that you'd like to see in Ellsworth. You know, absolutely. And, and, and Josh had said, I mean, the Woodlawn doesn't come to the city and ask us for donations or, or any help. And like I said, we, we do try to do our best, you know, to, um, to support them. But that is definitely an example of a facility that we use in our marketing of businesses. Mm. You know, the Woodlawn, the museum, it's, it's a treasure. And in, in it has its, all of its uh, trails that people use for free. It has the croquet court. Um, you know, it's, it's absolutely something that we use that makes people want to stay in Ellsworth and mm. stay in this area. one 625 or locally 469-0500 if you'd like to enter our conversation. Um, this notion of, of attracting both uh, residents and, and businesses, um, you've got a, um, a city department that focuses on that. I assume that you're looking at all the assets um, when you then try to go out to businesses or residents to say, or new new residents and say, you want to think about living in Ellsworth or or, or bringing your business to Ellsworth. On more than one occasion, I've had recent um, uh, people who have recently moved to Ellsworth say to me, I chose to come to Ellsworth and live in Ellsworth and working in Ellsworth because I saw your website for Mm -hmm. Woodlawn and decided that if that was a community that could support and have such a great resource, that was the place I wanted to be. Hmm. That's a great. That's a great story. Yeah, and 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 so people find out about the community before they move there by looking at the d- diversity of services. And I assume a business is looking at those same kinds of of factors when they're thinking about relocating. Yeah, when businesses relocate, it's it's actually the opposite. They're not looking for the the best place. When you are when we uh, send out notices to businesses and and ask them to look at us because we know that they're interested in the area, they're looking for reasons to 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 check you off the list, oh. not keep you on the list. Huh. So it's it's the exact opposite. So you you're trying you put your best foot forward out there and you try to tell them you know all of the um, reasons that they should be in Ellsworth, but you're in competition with. You know, and not just your neighbors. You're in competition with, you know, the rest of the state. And so um, you want to stay on the list. It's a little bit different. So, yeah. And so what do you do to stay on the list? What are some of the things that Ellsworth has done um, to stay on the list, do you think? You know, uh, we've gone so far even as to give people tours of the city, um, you know, and, and uh, we have a lot of data that we that we give. But um one of the things that we have found, um, you know, incentives are absolutely the the key um, and when I say incentives, I mean, you know, TIFs, helping them. TIF, what uh, is a TIF? Uh, I'm sorry. A TIF is a tax increment financing, and um, it's a way. We haven't done it in Ellsworth yet, um, but we have the ability, and it's a way that we help people that are coming in that have to spend a lot of upfront money on utilities, you know, sewer, water, um, extending roads, you know, uh, all of those types of things that over years we can give them back a portion of their taxes, their real estate taxes, mm-hmm. um, to help offset those upfront costs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's a lot of incentives like that of, you know, helping with sewer and water and, and um, 
So it's, it's, if you look at a city or a municipality, you're um, in some ways you're connected to the larger economy, but you're trying to manage your local economy. Absolutely. And you're using all of the things that you can do to do that. It seems like, I'm just guessing, that some elements of the governor's proposal takes away your ability to manage your economy. Oh, they absolutely do, and that's why I stated. You know, I, I I really wish that the that the state government and the governor would work with municipalities in ways that we can absolutely do what you're saying is is incentivize them to come to us, and help us stay on the list. Mm. Let's take a phone call from Randall from Owls Head. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Randall, and uh, um, please go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi. Well, I think this is a really great show. I'm trying to get my handle on how the governor's proposal actually works. And uh, it's all been laid up with the, uh, in the hospital for uh, a few days with uh, operation. But uh, I wanted to just say that I, I think our nonprofits are an uh, important part of the main, inco- main economy. Mm. And people come here from many places. It's part of the commons. It's the, the, um, the, the wealth that people own in common with everyone as part of living, you know, mm. the commonwealth. Mm. And uh, I think the governor's proposal is trying to squeeze more money out of the commonwealth and uh, trying to actually redistribute it to the very, very wealthy. And I, this has been done a number of times, and each time has led to more and more economic uh, uh, chaos. And uh, uh, I think starting with the Reagan tax proposals to eliminate uh, the top rate uh, by, you know, uh, you know, taking more out of uh, lower-income people uh, started that in the 80s. And over 30 years, it's, we've quadrupled the national deficit on the national level. Mm. And so we're in a state level, it'll, it'll kind of do the same thing. So it's kind of we've been there. You know, we've been there. We've done that. Uh, this is uh, another case of uh, trickle-down economy, mm. and it doesn't it doesn't work. It's been proven that it does not work. And my proposal is uh, throw the whole thing out, the whole plan out. It won't work. And instead, we should move toward eliminating both the sales tax and the income tax uh, through by creating a state public bank. And a state public bank, state banks create money when they lend it. And we'll increase the money supply and increase economic development at the community level rather than uh, doing it uh, by trying to bring in some big, uh, you know, very uh, international corporation to expect them to solve all our needs because they're not going to do that. What we need to do is develop local entrepreneurs at the local level and make everyone an entrepreneur and, uh, and and have a system that, not, uh, and I think the governor said he wanted to reduce poverty. That was his goal, he said, in the state of the state message. Well, this will not reduce poverty. This will increase poverty. And I also believe that the top rate, uh, he wants to eliminate or cut down on the top tax bracket. Well, um, that's not the, that those are the folks that can afford to pay taxes. It's the poor that can't. And we actually create poverty by taking money out of the hands of people who are working, taking their paycheck and putting it into state coffers. And they're also, you know, losing it to the federal income tax system and to all of the other deductions and, and so forth that come out of their paycheck so they don't wind up uh, 
they they wind up uh, not being able to afford all of the things it takes to live in this in this environment. So uh, so I say uh, no. Throw the whole thing out. It's not a good plan. Okay. 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 Well, thanks for your ruminations um, for, as you recover. Sounds like when you recover, you've got some a lot of good ideas to work on. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank you from uh, Al's head. Um, I don't think we've got time for many more phone calls, so um, um, let's begin to kind of wrap up um, a little bit. The 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 notion that the governor has has put forward is that he's going to try to um, reduce and eventually eliminate the income tax. He's going to begin to replace that by expanding and increasing the sales tax, but it's going to. Um, it, it also has to do with. Um, reducing um, revenue sharing to municipalities and figuring out a way to tax nonprofits. Um, again, your 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 thoughts about whether this is going to achieve anything. What what will it achieve if all of this goes through? What will it accomplish in Ellsworth? What what will be the some of the impacts? You've got to come up with about a half million dollars in in revenue. Well, n- not only that, as part of his um, his budget, he's also. Um, eliminating the homestead exemption, which is a $10,000 value that the state pays of everybody's property taxes. So immediately, everyone will have a property tax increase. Okay. Um, It's about a hundred and, I can't remember, about $160 on a $100,000 home. Um, So, you know, that's the, that's the, um, the crux of that. So, I mean, that you have to deal with, and then the reduction in revenue sharing, and as was stated, um, before there's also there's a gap, so you know that that's going to come from local road money, and that's also going to come it has to come from the education subsidies because that's one of their larger, right. uh, you know, you, you pick it from the the ripe fruit first, right? So I mean, it's immediately there's at the point we're just coming out of recession, and we have you know a lot of people don't think that, but these budgets have been cut, you know, they're they're the we're providing the barest of um, services now. And we've done, I think, a good job in Ellsworth to do that without people realizing that they've received less service mm. um, because of the way that we've been kind of creative. But there's a point where it, there's going to be a change. There absolutely is going to be a change and, um, and, and higher taxes. And, um, and without the ability to have some funding for economic development and to be able to keep your infrastructure moving forward uh, that that means businesses don't mm-hmm. come or businesses go out of business. So mm-hmm. you know, it's I think it's um, I, I don't see anything good from the the governor's full budget. At least in terms of municipalities. In, in municipalities, right. absolutely. Right. Yeah. And and uh, Joshua Torrance from the Woodlawn Museum um, thoughts about the the impact of this on nonprofits in the state of Maine. Uh, nonprofits are already working at reduced budgets. Then what? we would like to be able to work with. And so this proposal would simply add an additional cost that we simply can't afford. Mm -hmm. And we'd have to cut our services or cut our programs. Uh, In many cases, programs that help generate income and revenue or improve the quality of life to attract new businesses. Um, And so it would just be, I think as Michelle said, a vicious cycle that um, would do no good in the end. I applaud the governor for at least sparking a conversation. I'm disappointed that, as per usual with this governor, it wasn't a true conversation where ideas were exchanged and proposals were worked on together. Mm-hmm. So again, um, information uh, from Municipal Association, the organization, um, has a website. You, they you, do. It's uh, memun.org. Great. And uh, Joshua Torrance, uh, the, the main association of nonprofits. Yes, uh, nonprofitmain.org and also 
mainmuseums.org for main archives and museums. Great. Well, thanks for you to both of you for being with us, and, and good luck with your career. Michelle, I understand you're leaving municipal um, uh, life for another life. I am. In a, in a week, Great. I will be going to the private sector. Good and luck. I'll, I'll good speak luck. for all of Ellsworth. We'll miss you very much. Oh, thank uh, you. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second Friday morning of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balnain House Highland music recording. Thanks once again to our guests in the studio, uh, Joshua Torrance, Executive Director of the Woodlawn Museum, and Michelle Beal, City Manager of Ellsworth and President of the Maine Municipal Association. Thanks also to J- Joel Johnson of the Maine Center for Economic Policy in Augusta. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes from our listeners, volunteers, business supporters, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.